The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. Welcome to today's edition of the Financial Physician Radio Program. Lou Scatigna here. So good to be with you. On this Monday, the second Monday that we're doing our program here on Voice America's Variety Channel. And uh, for the last four years, we've been on XM Satellite Radio. Twelve years prior to that, we've been on WOBM AM 1160 on the Jersey Shore. And I'm very excited to be now on Voice America's Variety Channel each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time and uh, 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Again, thanks so much for joining us. The show is about money. It's about politics. It's about markets. And it's about your phone calls, and we take any question on any money matter right here at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Let's start off talking about what I think is probably one of the most important things that anybody needs to do uh, to be successful financially, and that is to choose financial advisors properly. And I think we make more mistakes in this regard than anything. The first thing we do is we trust Wall Street. We trust that Wall Street has our best interest at heart, and that's certainly not the case. And we know that by all the news we've heard over the last five years and all the things that have happened on Wall Street. But you have to understand when you deal with Wall Street, the deck is stacked against you from the beginning. Wall Street sits between businesses and investors and and makes money on every single deal. Whenever any money moves on Wall Street, believe me, these firms are making money. Uh, businesses pay Wall Street to, to underwrite and sell their securities when they want to raise money, while investors pay Wall Street commissions when they trade in those securities. And since uh, Wall Street works both sides of the street, if you will, uh, it's riddled, uh, riddled with conflicts of interest. It takes commissions on every transaction, regardless of whether or not its clients make or lose money. And many brokers firms uh, have pushed investments that paid them the highest commissions. Rating agencies have given inflated ratings to securities. And analysts on Wall Street have given uh, less than accurate reports. And weak investments have been sold to the unsuspecting public. And that's really what Wall Street's all about. And when I talk about Wall Street, I'm speaking about the financial service industry in general. I'm not talking about specifically firms that are on Wall Street. We're talking about the financial services industry. And that includes banking 
and that includes insurance, that includes brokerage firms, that includes mutual funds, that includes uh, annuities. Anything that uh, has to do with money uh, is part of Wall Street. And their earnings are, are second only to entertainers and athletes. A lot of money is made on Wall Street. And uh, you can tell by their bonuses. And, and ambitious people who want to make a lot of money, they seek careers on Wall Street because that's where the money is. And the compensation they receive um, comes from Main Street, from you and me, via steady stream of commissions and fees. And meanwhile, many people on Main Street struggle to get by, but people on Wall Street uh, are doing very, very well and always have. And that's the nature of the game. That's what Wall Street is all about. It's not about managing your money. It's not about you retiring comfortably. It's about them making money and bonuses. That's really what it comes down to. And, and it's sad to say, given the fact that I've been involved uh, in the financial services industry for 30 years, and that's what my industry is about for the most part. Now, don't get me wrong. There's very, very good people, especially on the advisor level. And we'll talk about advisors a little while down on, on the program. But um, Wall Street, you have to understand, is against you, and it's for itself. And it always pursues its self-interest. Now, although most of Wall Street's practices may not be illegal per se, many of them are morally questionable. And I consider them, to use a financial position term, financial malpractice. For example, Wall Street frequently takes uh, great risks that involve billions of dollars. Again, not their money, somebody else's. And most of those risks are not to serve their customers or their clients or the public, but it's to make huge bonuses for themselves. Because if they're successful, taking all these billions of dollars and speculating with it, making the firm a lot of money, they'll take part of that as their bonus, and then they'll all have their hand in the cookie jar. But when their risk takers don't succeed, when the, the traders lose money, their shareholders take the hit. And the value of the, of the stock plunges. So if you're a shareholder in Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns or AIG and they do bad things with money and they make bad investments and they lose it all, you're the one who pays. You lose all your investment. And they still walk away, many of them, with their bonuses. And this happened to – if you're a shareholder of Merrill Lynch, if you're a shareholder of Wachovia, Washington Mutual, IndyBank, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And we can go on and on on all these financial companies that took incredible risks and their shareholders took the hit for them. And meanwhile, the executives of these companies walked away with millions and millions of dollars. Or what happens is uh, we as taxpayers bail them out because they're too big to fail, as we did with AIG and General Motors and on and on. Because if these firms failed, uh, it said there'd be a domino effect. So we prop them up. We give them the money they lost. All the executives continue to get their high salaries and bonuses. And shareholders take the hit. Now, also, you have to understand that there's a lot of scams on Wall Street. I mean, uh, we saw this with Bernie Madoff, who it said had about $60 billion worth of clients' funds, but it was a big Ponzi scheme. Right now, Bernie Madoff uh, is in jail. And, you know, people should have known. I mean, this guy consistently, consistently had a 1% return every single month, regardless of what the markets were doing. And, of course, the regulators turned their eyes. Why? Because this guy was well-known on Wall Street. He was the, the chairman of the National Association of Securities Dealers, which is the biggest securities association out there. He was the chairman of the board, this guy. 
And as I said, his clients uh, marveled at how he was so consistent in his 1% annual uh, monthly returns in good markets and bad. So he was doing 12% a year no matter what. And again, it was a fraudulent Ponzi scheme. Then we heard of other people. We've heard of Robert Stanford, Robert Allen Stanford of Stanford Financial Group. He was charged with fraud involving $8 billion worth of overseas certificates of deposit. And then we heard about John Corzine and MF Global. Here's a story. All these people lost all their money, or at least it was tied up for years, when he speculated with it, lost it. And this guy hasn't even been interviewed by the FBI, let alone indicted. Why? Because he's a former senator. He's a former governor of New Jersey, and he's uh, very close to the Obama administration. And that's another problem we have at Wall Street, is that Wall Street and Washington are the same. It's the same people. It's a revolving door. You work at Goldman Sachs, you become the Treasury Secretary, the head of the SEC. And then when you leave your post, you go back to these firms for huge salaries and then lobby, lobby the uh, agency you just left uh, to keep uh, your gloves off of your client. And that's the way it works. It is the biggest criminal enterprise there is. Wall Street, it really is. And But, you know, the common thievery on Wall Street is simply is they underwrite security. Say IBM wants to raise $100 billion or whatever it is, and they issue bonds or stocks, and these big firms do the underwriting, and then they sell those securities to the public, and they make money in between on both sides. Regardless of how good those securities are, they just call up their clients and say, i got a good thing for you. Uh, you should buy it and put it in your portfolio. Meanwhile, the only reason they're doing it is to get it off the balance sheet of the brokerage firm itself. Now, when I started in my career years and years ago, 30 years ago, I worked for a firm, and we would come in, and there was a list of securities that we had to sell before we went home, a certain dollar amount that we had to sell before we go home. Now, is that financial planning? No. You get on the phone and say, oh, Mrs. Jones, guess what? We have the best bond for you right now. Why is it the best bond? Because we have it in our inventory. That's why it's the best bond. So my my uh, I met a guy there years ago. I'm not going to mention the firm, and we saw how this operated, and we realized this was not in the best interest of the people. So what we did is we left and we formed our own financial planning slash securities firm in 1987. Um, this is our 26th year. It's kind of amazing. Time does fly, and and we decided that we're going to work the opposite way. Let's find out what our clients need to achieve their financial goals, and then go out there and uh, and find those investments for them. So you can't trust nothing. That's the problem. I mean, you can't trust nothing in government. You can't trust nothing that Wall Street tells you. I mean, it's it's a, it's a comment on uh, the society we live in now. Now, let's look at the, the, the mortgage scam, how that worked out on Wall Street. I mean, Wall Street has committed so many abuses. It's, it's just too many to detail in a one-hour show, really. But it played a central role in creating the current economic crisis that we've been in for the last five years. And... It had to do with mortgages. Now, traditionally, mortgage originators, these are usually banks or mortgage companies, lent funds only to qualified people. They would underwrite it. They would you know, sometimes even go to your job, make sure you're employed. They carefully checked your credit, your income, whether you defaulted before. right? Then it all changed. Uh, originators packaged their loans. They would take hundreds of loans that they, they did, and they would sell them to a group of firms on Wall Street. And those firms would bundle the loans uh, with thousands of others and form a security, a mortgage-backed security, a bond, if you would. 
Then they would hire a rating service like Standard & Poor's or Fitch or Moody's, one of those rating services, and they would pay them to rate the security. And what these rating services did is they rate them the best, triple A. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't get the, the business from those Wall Street firms. So they basically lied. And they said these things were AAA when they knew they weren't. But when these mortgage originators uh, sold their loans to Wall Street, they took the money they received and just made more loans because it was a hot potato. They knew that they never had to be around to see if these people could pay these mortgages back. didn't matter to them. They were getting that money back with a fee very, very quickly because they were selling it. So there was uh, no conscience here. And to make new loans more attractive, uh, originators designed these toxic mortgages, these subprime mortgages that applicants with weak credit could obtain, but they could not maintain. That was the problem. They could obtain the mortgage. They couldn't maintain the payments on it. And these, these, these mortgages went bad. And so did these securities, these mortgage-backed securities. And whoever owned them got killed. Pension funds, insurance companies, banks. And that's how the financial crisis really got started. Add to that the derivatives that are in the system, which is a whole complicated other thing. Uh, and that's how the financial crisis got started. And we're still in it. And, and the government and Congress also share responsibility for this mess. Because the financial services industry, Wall Street, has a powerful lobby. And Wall Street had laws and regulations governing its practices weakened and repealed. For instance, the Glass-Steagall Act. It was enacted you know, in response to the Depression and the, the massive bank failures then. Well, they repealed that. Well, the Glass-Steagall kept banks and investment houses separate. So depositors' money was never at risk. Well, of course, banks didn't like that, uh, especially Wall Street investment banks. So in 1999, banks were allowed to participate in investment banking and underwrite and trade mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations, credit default swaps, and other toxic securities. And when these vehicles failed, the world banking and financial system went into cardiac arrest. It wasn't even 10 years later. It was eight years later that this happened, all because Congress relaxed regulation. And since uh, Wall Street has and had Congress in its back pocket, this uh, financial service industry was barely unregulated. And the key to financial success is understanding that Wall Street does not have your best interest at heart. And I think people have grown to, to know that more and more after the financial crisis when we've seen what's happened there. And before you give your money to Wall Street in any form, whether it's a bank insurance company, a mutual fund company, a, a financial advisor, a brokerage house, understand that they're not working for you. And if you understand that, that's fine. Okay, understand that you know the game is against you. Now, there's things that you can do to circumvent them and increase your chances of success and keep your fees down and all that stuff and your risk down as well. But it's up to you now because, again, you can't trust that anybody on Wall Street has your best interests at heart. And it's sad to say that, again, as a 30-year veteran of Wall Street, it, it pains me to say that. It really does. But as a practicing financial planner who see new clients all the time and see the investments that they've been pushed into, 
that totally were not in their best interest. And I know the reason why they own those securities or investments were, were, were purely because of the brokerage firm and the, the money that they were making selling it. All right, time for your phone calls. 866-472-5788 is our call number. We take any question or comment on any money matter right here on The Financial Physician. We're going to take a short break. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life talk 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 that's all we do is talk if you'd like to talk call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 that's it that's it voiceamerica.com You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Skatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. Welcome back to The Financial Physician. Lou Skatigna here. Thanks so much for joining us. We get together each and every Monday morning, 9 a.m. live on the East Coast, 6 a.m. live on the West Coast. The show is repeated in the evening, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6, a, uh, 6 p.m. Western Time. And this is our second week doing the show here on uh, Voice America's Variety Channel. We come from a national program on XM Satellite Radio for four years, and before that, 12 years in local radio on the Jersey Shore on WOBM AM 1160. The show has been named The Financial Physician throughout the entire 14 years I've been doing radio. And... The goal of the show simply is to inform you, to give you information that you're not going to get uh, on many other financial talk shows. Uh, we're a little bit of a maverick here. We talk uh, we talk in, in ways that uh, are not financialese, not what you want to hear. We talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. We open up the program talking about the evils of Wall Street and understanding how they do not have uh, our best interests at heart. And uh, you know, when I wrote my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health, which is available on Amazon, you should have a copy of it, uh, I wrote a chapter on this uh, about Wall Street not having your best interest at heart. 
And we wrote 25 chapters for the book. Um, unfortunately, we were over uh, our uh, allocation of pages that were, the book had to come into. Uh, so my editors at my publishing company took uh, that chapter out. And I think that's a par- very powerful chapter that really should have been in the book. You know, why that chapter was taken out, I really don't know. Uh, but I think it's important. But the chapter that did make it into the pro, uh, into the book, uh, is that one of the, the, the book is, is dealt with in, uh, medical analogies. The financial physician, we use medical analogies to, uh, financial terms and financial conditions. And, uh, this, uh, these are the 20, the chapters are the 20 most common symptoms. Why Americans fail financially. Why Americans are unhealthy financially. And one of the chapters is that we rely on unqualified financial advisors. I should have said unqualified and unethical financial advisors. And it really pains me in my industry, I will tell you, that probably 70% of people who call themselves financial advisors uh, are incompetent at best and unethical at worst. That's 70% of an industry. These are individuals who are actually interacting with the public, incompetent or unethical, 70%. Now, again, there's no scientific way I've come to this, but it's just my feelings based on the people I know in my industry and people I've come across in my industry and meeting with new clients and seeing the portfolios that they have, knowing that the only reason they have this annuity uh, is because of the commission that it generated, not because it was – Vital to the financial health uh, of the client. But 70%. So it's so important that you pick a financial advisor wisely. And watch out for titles, okay? People are impressed by titles and letters after people's names. There's over 100 different financial advisor designations now. 100. Only a few of them really mean anything or show any competence. And the requirements for these titles differ greatly, believe me. Some take years of education, experience, and continuing education, while others only mean that someone has taken a three-hour online course. You can get some of these designations with a three-hour online course and a simple quiz afterwards. Now, it doesn't take much to get a license to sell mutual funds or or stocks or bonds and call yourself a financial advisor. You just pass the test. You find a, a company that will hire you. You self-study for the Series 6, which is mutual funds, or the Series 7, which is general securities like stocks and bonds. And believe me, the test isn't easy. It, it, you know, I passed twice on the first – I passed the Series 6 when I took it on the first time. I passed the Series 7 on the first time. It's not that difficult if you put the time into it. But you pass that test, and now all of a sudden you're a registered representative. You're a licensed securities broker, and you can call yourself a financial advisor. Now, does that give you any experience? Uh, to be a financial advisor? Absolutely not. It just means that you've, you're licensed to do that. And you may have no idea about markets, economics, proper portfolio diversification, or anything like that. Corporate benefits, estate planning, taxes, none of this is taught really in these licensing exams. So you gotta be very, very careful. And it's really crucial to you to know, um, uh, what different financial advisor titles mean. And the qualifications for each, you know, could help you decide who you're going to work with. The bottom line is you can work with anybody as a financial advisor. I mean, why would you want to deal with somebody who is little educated, has little experience, is young? Now, 
you know, I'm saying that now, but when I was 22 and I entered the business uh, and I looked like I was 15, I would have thought differently at that point. Uh, but it is the truth. Why would you not deal with somebody who's had 25 or 30 years or more experience as a financial planner? Why would you not do that? It doesn't cost you any more than dealing with a rookie who just passed their test. But at least you know somebody with experience is, is committed to their, their, their industry. You know, many, many, many people join my industry and become a financial planner, advisor, and they, and they leave it because that most times they have to make it for themselves. They're not on salary. They were on commission or they're on fees or something like that. And if they don't produce and bring in assets, they don't make money. And I know when I started in the business, uh, I left almost three times uh, because it was a struggle as a young broker to be in the business. Obviously, it's a little easier now after 30 years and building up clients. It, it's, it's different. So let's talk about the, some of the major designations that you'd look for. Certified financial planner. This is the most prestigious financial advisor designation. Most prestigious, the highest you can pretty much get as a financial advisor. And uh, the basic requirements to be a CFPR, you have to have three years experience in the financial services industry and a bachelor's degree or, or five years uh, as a financial planner without a bachelor's degree before you could even get the designation. You must pass the two-day exam that covers financial planning, taxes, insurance, estate planning, and retirement. And you have to maintain high ethical conduct, of course. And you have to complete 30 years of continuing education every two years. So you got to stay on top of things. So a CFP, a certified financial planner, will understand all of the major financial categories in your life, investments, insurance, estate planning, corporate benefits, retirement, and income tax planning. So he or she could advise their clients on pretty much everything. Now, I've been a CFP for 25 years, and I pretty much can answer any question about any money matter. I've been doing it on the radio for 14 years, not just talk about investments. Not just talk about insurance or not just talk about taxes as an accountant would. A certified financial planner is well-rounded in all these things. Now, a certified financial planner could also be a stockbroker. A certified financial planner could also be an insurance agent and be a certified financial planner. A certified financial planner could also be a tax accountant or all of these things. Let's talk about the next most common um, designation, and, and this is the most common, is registered representative. I talked about that before. Those are people who, who take an exam and uh, join a brokerage firm and now licensed to sell insurance, investments, what have you. Again, it's the basic, basic designation and does not uh, imply any competence on the advisor. And most people start off that way. That was the first license I had. I was a Series 6 mutual fund salesman with a company called First Investors in New York and um, went from there. Got the Series 7 later on. I was able to sell stocks and bonds. Got the Certified Financial Planner uh, designation a couple of years later uh, and became an accountant shortly thereafter. Registered Investment Advisor, what is that? Well, that's an individual or a firm that receives compensation for providing advice on securities. And they must register with the SEC uh, and or state agencies um as an investment advisor. Now, most registered investment advisors charge fees, management fees to manage your account. They don't charge commissions. And that's the big deal. That's the big difference. The commission-based advisor and the fee-based advisor. Now, I've been both over my career. The first half, 
a commission-based advisor and a second half a fee-based advisor. Well, what's the difference? Well, the fee-based advisor has no conflict of interest. The fee-based advisor does not get a higher commission for putting your money in some investment over another because they're making a certain percent of your assets every year as a management fee to manage that money. So again, eliminate the conflict of interest. And a big problem in the financial service in industry now is that many so-called financial advisors are really pushing annuities from insurance companies. And I see it all the time in my, in my practice. I don't like annuities. I never have. And if you listen to this radio show over the weeks to come, you'll know that. If you read my book, you'll know that because this is an investment, quote unquote, that's being pushed because it pays the highest commissions. It's that simple. Annuities can pay anywhere between five and 20% commissions, depending on the annuity itself. And the problem with that, you don't see it come out of your money, but you're locked up. And if you try to take your money out of that annuity, uh, the surrender fees to take the money out are exorbitant. That's because the insurance company pays the commission to the salesman and tries to get it back from you through management fees in the, the securities that you own within the annuity. And if you take your money out too soon, and they haven't made that back. They make it back from you. And that's why annuities are so bad. But so many advisors push them because instead of making 1.5% a year uh, as a, a registered investment advisor charging fees, uh, they want to make 8, 10, or 12% commission right up front and move on. And I have a friend in the business, and uh, you know that's all he does is sell annuities. I go, well, how can you call yourself a financial advisor when all you push is variable annuities? I said, why do you sell just variable annuities and not mutual funds or stocks or bonds or what have you? He goes, because I get paid a lot of money. And that's the problem with the industry in general. People push things. A registered investment advisor works on fees, which means that he's on your side, meaning that if your accounts go down, he makes less fees in your accounts. If your accounts go up, he makes more money on your account. And that's who you want on your team. Somebody who is actually on your team profits when you do suffers when you do, and does not have a conflict of interest. So best thing for, uh, for you to do when you're seeking out an advisor, find one who is a certified financial planner and a fee-based certified financial planner that works with a registered investment advisory firm. That is the best thing you could find when searching for a financial advisor. And I'll add one other thing, experience. How long has that person been in the business? The longer, the better. I shouldn't say that. If the guy's 80 years old, you probably don't want to deal with him. He probably doesn't know how to use a computer, and he probably is starting to lose it. And that'll be me uh, in uh, 30 years or so. But uh, really, someone would experience. Again, it doesn't cost any more. That's the key here. Now, chances are the guys that have a lot of experience maybe have minimums, and that's the problem that you do see with experienced financial advisors is that they're not going to take the person with a $10,000 account. They just can't service it. They just have too many clients. They manage too much money. They can't deal with the phone calls from somebody with $10,000. $10, I know at my firm, our minimum is $100,000. $100, That's the least I'll, I'll deal with you. Now, I may give you to somebody else in my firm if you're below that, but from, to deal with me personally, you know, I have 500 clients. I cannot deal with small accounts anymore. So I have a $100,000 minimum, which is very small really in, in the business compared to other advisors who would take a lot more. But that's that's my that's my status is my issue, uh, but that's what you're seeking out. And as an advisor, a certified financial planner, an experienced one, preferably if he's a tax accountant as well, 
as a registered investment advisor makes it even better. All right, we'll take another break. Time for your phone calls. If anybody wants to call with a question on any money matter, 866-472-5788 is the phone number, 866-472-5788. My name is Louis Katigner, also known as the Financial Physician. Don't go away. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. That's it. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luz Katigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back to the Financial Physician Radio Program. Lou Skatikna here, 866-472-5788 is the call number. We take any question on any money matter right here on the Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us on our second week on uh, the Variety Channel on uh, voiceamerica.com. Previous to this, we were on uh, XM Satellite Radio for four years and 12 years on WBM AM 1160 on the Jersey Shore. And uh, the program's all about you, and it's about helping you. And uh, uh, when I did my very first radio show for WOBM and I had the opportunity to do it, uh, I, I said that I want to do a, a different type of financial show. I don't want to have guests. You know, most talk radio shows always have guests, and, and I don't want to have guests. I just want to have me on the radio with you, my listeners, and I wanted to be able to uh, advise you, to have you call and ask questions about how to buy a home, uh, about an investment, about your tax situation, about retirement, about estate planning, anything that affects your financial life. I want it to be a resource 
to my listeners. And I told the, the station that I, I would not do the show. I would not continue to show after my initial contract if we didn't have substantial amount of callers. Because I didn't want to have guests. I didn't want to have to plan a show each week and find guests and all that. that, that that's, that's typical radio. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to spend that hour, that one precious hour a week that we had together uh, with my listeners and helping my listeners. Now, I understand this is a brand-new talk show here on, uh, on on Voice America, and I'll have to build up an audience. But that's the way my shows have been for 14 years. It's pretty much back-to-back phone calls. And uh, I don't have to work too hard. Uh, on this station, it's a little different. We'll see if there's a live audience, a uh, significant live audience for this program. Many of our listeners to this program uh, will listen to it on my website. Because I, you know, I have a link to it, and they listen to it at their leisure. It's Monday morning. People are going to work. People are at work, and uh, unless you have internet access, uh, you know, when you're driving, you're not going to be able to listen to the program. It's a little different than broadcast uh, radio, as I've, I've done before. My WBM show was Sunday mornings, uh, 11 to 12 in the morning, uh, and uh, had a huge audience. And my XM show uh, for the last four years has been Sundays at noon to one, uh, again, broadcast live. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get a good uh, amount of call-ins as the show matures as we go forward because, again, that's what the show's about. It's about helping you. And it's about answering specific questions about specific money matters. Uh, let's talk about some of the resources available to you through the Financial Physician. A, I'm available personally. You send me an email, I'll be happy to respond to it. I answer each and every email, assuming that I, I see it and it doesn't go into my spam folder. Uh, I get about a thousand emails a day, so it's not, uh, it's not unheard of that I, I would miss an email. But if you do email me, email me again. Uh, I'll get you the second time. My email address is simply lou, L-O-U, at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You have comments about the program, good or bad, things that you want me to cover on this program, or you have a specific financial question and you're not available to uh, either call the show live, uh, just email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, also, uh, the website itself, thefinancialphysician.com, uh, has the archive of all our radio shows, has uh, my uh, daily blog, which is I think is probably the most important part of the, of the um, website, where I bring on that blog videos, articles, my commentary, uh, the video of this parts of this radio show we upload there uh, on uh, my blog. And that is a tremendous resource for you because I put on my blog information that you're not going to read elsewhere, things that are being avoided by the mainstream media, the mainstream financial media, uh, which they don't cover everything, believe me, uh, and we put it there. And we cover a lot of different financial topics there. I put chapters in my book up there and so forth and so on. Uh, also, the third leg of the stool between the radio show, the, the website, uh, is my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. It's unlike any financial book you've ever read. And a number of people have emailed me and said they've re- read it cover to cover in one sitting. And that's saying something about a financial book. And my goal when I wrote it was it to be very straightforward, very easy to read, very conversational, and with a lot of information. Because, again, Americans, we're doing it wrong. There's a reason why most families don't have an emergency fund. There's a reason why the majority of Americans have less than $10,000 saved. There's a reason why more than half of Americans now are receiving government benefits. There's a reason for it. And this book lays out uh, the mistakes that we make in every aspect of our financial lives. 
including buying new cars. Ridiculous thing you could do financially unless you're very wealthy is to buy new cars. We explain why that is the silliest thing you could do financially and how over the course of your lifetime, you're depriving yourself out of a comfortable retirement because you do that. And we explain out the reasons why. Also, we talk about how to figure out how much of a house you really can afford and what the home buying process is and how to prepare for it ahead of time and how to get the most bang for your buck and how to move into a home that you can afford to stay in. What good is it buying this brand new, beautiful home that is six, seven hundred thousand dollars and you can't afford to stay there because you can't afford the taxes, you can't afford the upkeep, you can't afford the utilities, and you can't afford the mortgage payment. Well, how many Americans did that over the last 10 years and found themselves foreclosed on, bankrupt? Or how many people bought a house they thought that they would be able to afford and then lost their jobs? These are all the things that we need to uh, address. And that's what we address in the book is all these different things. How to save money on insurance. Insurance is 10 to 15% of our budget. If you realize, I don't know if most people don't realize that. Life insurance, homeowners insurance, car insurance, health insurance. That's the big one, health insurance, right? And going up rapidly. We talk about ways to get those insurance bills down, how to shop for insurance properly, how to tailor a policy to keep the premiums down, understanding what insurance really is and what it's not. What it's not is something that you pay every dime whenever you have a, a need for health care, every dime when you have a collision on your car. It's to protect you against catastrophic financial loss. If we eat the first $500 of the damage on a car, it's going to keep the premiums lower on our car insurance than if we have a $100 deductible. These are things that we all have to look at, and these are things that are covered in the book. And it's a great book for young adults just getting married. Not that it won't benefit everybody to read it because there's something in it for everybody. If you're older, there's a great chapter on estate planning. But, you know, if you're a younger child, younger person coming into the world now, the financial world, and you're coming into the world with no training, which the majority of our kids are, and that's one of our biggest pet peeves, and it's the first chapter in the book, Financial Illiteracy in America. How we'll teach our kids about the War of 1812. We'll teach them a language they'll never use. Right, but we won't teach them about how to balance a checkbook, how to use credit cards properly, how mortgages work, the basics of income taxes. These are things that we need to educate our children about. These are life things. These are life issues that they're going to deal with. So they come into the world with very little training. They get into trouble very early in life. They buy that nice new car. They take out that credit card as soon as they go to college. The, the kiosks are lined up on College Avenue, and you, they give you a credit card. And before you know it, you got four or $5,000 on that. Uh, you're taking out student loans for $50,000 a year, and before you know it, you got 200000 in debt. These are the things that we deal with and things that ways to avoid these kind of financial calamities that most Americans are dealing with now. And again, the feedback from people who've read the book has just been fabulous. And they've given it to their kids. They've, they've bought more. It's been Christmas presents and so forth. So the financial position, how to cure your money problems, boost your financial health. You can get it on Amazon.com. Uh, the prices change every day there. Last time I looked, it was like $11.46. Believe me, it's the best $11.46 uh, you'll ever spend. Some of the chapters in the book, uh, I'll go over with you very quickly. Um, and uh, first chapter, again, financial illiteracy. These are the symptoms of uh, ill health in America, ill financial health, being financially irresponsible, 
feelings of material entitlement, addiction to debt and spending, failure to understand your financial psychology. That's very important. Very important chapter. Uh, we either operate from two attitudes. Either you have an attitude of lack or an attitude of abundance. You either believe that everything will be there for you, you'll have more than enough for the, through the rest of your life. Otherwise, you believe you'll always have struggles. And it has nothing to do with how much money you make. And we also talk about the five different psychologies uh, that are out there for finance. Lack of spousal teamwork. That's a big one. Both you and your honey should manage the money together. Failure to do so is why many families fail financially. Lack of detailed record keeping and review. Do we keep track of what's going on in our financial life? We talked earlier about relying on unqualified financial advisors. Saving instead of investing. What does that mean? Savings. There's no money in saving these days. Failure to diversify your investments. Having all your eggs in one basket. Not understanding the impact of inflation on your life. Inflation is going to be a big story in the years to come. Failure to use the tax code to your advantage. We talk about taxes and how to make it advantageous for you. Buying too much house, we talked about before. Wasting money on a lifetime of cars. Improper and overly expensive insurance coverage. Exceeding FDIC limits. We go over what they are. Failure to plan for college early. I always love it when a, a client comes to me and they say, I want to do some college planning. I say, how old is your child? And they say, 15. We've got three years. All right. You put three to $4,000 a month away, we'll be able to find uh, fun education. We talk about the importance of starting early and using vehicles that are tax-free. Estate planning shortfalls, how to plan a basic estate. I don't care how old you are. It's important that you do an estate plan. You have a will, a living will. Uh, if you're young, who's going to take care of your children are in your will. It's very, very important documents that many Americans don't have. Not downsizing in retirement. That's the smart thing to do. When you retire, you want to have a smaller home, a smaller monthly nut. We talk about how to do that. And now we talk about, in the 20th chapter, uh, not knowing what wealth really is. And we talk about what what is money? What's it for? The importance of charity. The importance of living, uh, you know, a, a basic life without being extravagant, without living beyond our means. And we, we talk about how we uh, kind of mistake money for other things. Money is not necessarily security. And money is not necessarily fun. Right? Money is there to be given away. And I say in a book, there's three things that you never can go wrong with money. Charity, giving away money to other people, assuming you could afford it, you know, within reason. Charitable contributions. Travel. Life's memories. My wife and I just got back from an expensive 12-day trip to Paris, but it's money well spent because those memories will never go away. And it's a life experience. I'm learning about the world. And a good meal. That's the third one. People laugh when I say that. But Putting good food in your body is never a waste of money. Now, I'm not talking about going out to eat at a fine restaurant every day if you can't afford to do it. But I'm saying spending money on high-quality food, whether it's inexpensive produce and stuff, but good quality food that you're putting in your body is never a waste of money. So these are things we cover in the last chapter. It's kind of a light chapter about how people mistake money for what it really is. But charity, travel, and a good meal, never a waste of money and something that we should always consider when we think about our money. All right, we have one more uh, segment left in the program. 866-472-5788 is the call number if you want to participate in the program. My name is Lou Skatikna, and you're listening to The Financial Physician right here on the Variety Channel on voiceamerica.com. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life ask the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back. I'm Lou Skatignas, Certified Financial Planner and President and CEO of uh, AFM Investments, located in Howell, New Jersey. We're a 26-year-old financial advisory firm, tax accounting firm, uh, and uh, we handle all aspects of financial management. So you want to find out more about us and our services, and if you'd like to set up a 20-minute a complimentary telephone consultation with me uh look go to uh, afminvestments.net afminvestments.net will tell you a little bit about our firm and how to get in touch with us uh all securities transactions are through our firm or through uh lee baldwin and company a member of finra and sipc all right we were talking um throughout the entire program about the importance of having the right financial advisors and having the right financial education and keeping yourself informed and that's very, very important. Uh, and I said, you know, so many people failed financially because they thought they had a good uh, financial advisor. And they came upon him, well, my friend uses him, so uh, – or he, uh, this guy used to go to college with me, so uh, I saw him on Facebook and looked him up. That, that, that's no way to choose a financial advisor. It's absolutely no way to choose a financial advisor. Choose a financial advisor that I said earlier before that has at least a certified financial planner uh, and has been in the business at least 20 years. That's the first thing I would look for. That would be the first criteria, and then I'd narrow it down from there. Then what I would do is I would prepare a list of questions uh, and have a meeting with this person. Now, in my book on choosing a financial advisor wisely, uh, this checklist is worth the price of the book, just to have this with you uh, when you go meet with financial advisors. And you should interview more than one. Interview three. And these are some of the questions that I think are real important that you answer. And, and, and make sure that when you question these candidates – that you make sure that you fully understand their answers. Because sometimes they're going to talk over your head. And that should be uh, alarm number one. If someone's talking over your head to the point of where it's all garbly good to you, uh, then that's not the person you want to deal with. You want to deal with somebody who's going to answer your questions in a way that you're going to fully understand. And it's amazing. People have hundreds of thousands of dollars with people, with advisors, and not know the basics of what's going on with their money. It blows me away. Right, here's the first question. What specific service will you provide me? 
quite simple. What, what should I expect from you? What are your specific objectives for my account? And prioritize them for me. Is it growth? Is it income? Is it safety? I want to know how you rank these things. How do you plan to reach those objectives and in what time frames? Reasonable question. How else should I measure results? And here's a big one. How are you compensated? By commission on products sold? Hourly fees? Some financial advisors work by the hour. Uh, very few. It's pretty hard to find those kind of advisors anymore. Uh, or do you work on fees based on a percentage of the value of assets you'll manage for me? That's who you want to go with. You want to deal with somebody who's going to charge fees. Because, again, they now have a vested interest with you. They're going to watch your account. Uh, at my firm, we do mostly fee-based money management, which means when you hear management, that means we move money around. We don't just sell you investment, and that's the difference. You know, you go to one of the big brokerage houses that charge commissions. They're going to take your $200,000. They're going to say, okay, we're going to put some in growth funds. We're going to put some in international mutual funds. We're going to do some in annuity. We're going to do this, that, yeah. They'll put that money in there. They'll make their commissions, and now they make it, they don't make any more money off of you. You are no longer an income producer to them. You're a pain in the neck that will call once in a while that they have to take your call. And once they get compensated, that money has gone. It goes to pay their mortgage, whatever. It's gone. They don't care anymore. They're off looking for the next person to pay next month's mortgage. And that's why so many people lost their shirts uh, in the 2008 crash who had commission-based brokers. Because these people never called them and said, hey, you know, we should take a conservative uh, posture here. Let's move some money out of the market into bonds or whatever. They didn't even see it coming. Again, most of the people are so incompetent that they don't know what's going on in the markets or the economy. They couldn't even see it coming anyway. But they didn't take any evasive action for you. Only when you called them and said, hey, Joe, you know, three months in a row, I'm getting killed here. You know, what's going on? And Joe tells you, well, do you want to move to a money market or something more conservative? Well, that's what I'm paying you to do for me. Why why did you call me and suggest that? But in fee-based money management, what we do is we watch investments every day and we move the money around based on performance, what's actually going on in the market. The market for a specific security or a specific sector is going down. We will sell it at, at, at specific technical sell signals, and we'll buy back in at specific sell signals. We're always managing it, and that's what my clients like a lot about it, like about their accounts with us is they know that we're watching it every day, and they don't have to make decisions. We're making them professional decisions for them at all times. There's no transaction fees, so they you know we're not moving money around to make commissions because we only make fees, and our sole objective is to make our clients money. And most importantly, not to lose it. In 2008, when um, most investors lost their shirts, when everything crashed, most of our clients had a positive rate of return in, in the most um, popular investment strategy that we use. Our clients had a small positive rate of return after management fees in 2008. Why? Because we moved them to safety in advance of the crash. We were 100% in cash and money market accounts from July 1st to the end of December, and we missed the entire downturn in the markets. And that's the key to financial success, not going down. And that's the number one goal that we have when we manage firm. Again, as a fee-based manager of money, that's manage money versus commission money. Manage money is managed. Commission money is orphaned. So again, to go back, how you, the most important question you can ask you know, an advisor, how are you compensated by commission? on products sold or by fees based on a percentage of the value of your assets. And as I said earlier in the program, if you're my client's uh, assets go up, 
10%, my fees go up 10% next year. If my assets go down 10%, my fees go down 10%. So we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. And that is not the case when you're paying commissions to somebody. Do you anticipate any special problems with my account? If so, please state what they are and how you plan to handle them. Who other than you will work on my account? What is his or her experience? To what extent will he or she work on my account? And will you supervise him or her? And if so, how? Very important thing because if you go to a firm that has a um, a lot of clients, manages a lot of money, chances are you're not going to deal with the head honcho there. You're going to deal with one of his underlings. Okay, and to the extent that, that you may deal with that, you want to know how much input is your advisor going to have with that person? Is he going to oversee everything? Uh, is the assistant just going to do, uh, you know, you know, small stuff, sending checks out, talking to clients about, you know, the basics of their account and, 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 and the planner is going to do everything else? That's fine. Good planners have good assistants. But you don't want to really deal with somebody who's going to hand you off to some rookie that he hired three weeks ago. Uh, that's wet behind the ears. You, you don't want that. Do you have good working relationships with outside experts who can help with my finances, such as accountants, lawyers, and insurance specialists? A good certified financial planner does have that network. We'll be able to say, you know, your insurance, you're you're underinsured. I don't sell insurance, but I know a guy who's really good at it, and I trust I've worked with him for a long time. You should give him a call. Now, I happen to be a certified financial planner that also is an accountant. So, you know, I handle my clients' taxes, but uh, you want somebody who can handle. You know, all the stuff goes together, insurance, taxes, investments. They all go together, and that's why the certified financial planner is really your partner at the top there uh, to manage all this below you. Here's a good question. How much access will I have to you? If I call you, am I going to talk to you? Are you going to call me back the same day? And that's one of the things I stress on my firm. If somebody ever calls me before 3 o'clock, they're going to get a call back from me in that day. And if not that day, the first thing the next morning. Right. Very, very important in our firm that we do that because, you know, people are entrusting their money with you. You know, if they have concerns and they heard something on TV, you need to deal with that immediately. How much access will I have uh, to others who work on my account? What is your preferred communication method, phone, email or in person? And explain why you prefer to work that way. Will you contact me for approval before making any decisions on my account? Now, chances are in a managed account, that won't be the case because you're in a program to be managed. But on a commission-based account, you certainly want to know that. You don't want them moving money around just to generate commissions on you. How often will I get written account statements? Very important. How long? What, how will I know what's going on? Can I fire you if uh, I don't like what's going on? And uh, what will it cost me to fire you? I guess I said earlier that some advisors will put you in investments that have massive surrender fees. What specific results have you created for in the past or similar clients? And do you have any referrals that I could talk to? Very, very important. Financial advisors are one of the most important, if not the most important move you're going to make financially in your life if you have other people working with you to manage money. All right, it's the end of our hour. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Go see my blog each and every week. Thanks so much for joining us, and please join us every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. on the West Coast for the next edition of The Financial Position. Have a great week.